Welcome listeners to the Thundercast. I am your host, Connor Sanders. Uh, here talking SU sports, SU basketball especially. I have a very special guest on me on with me this week. Uh, I'd say my most beloved guest, journalism hero, and my most devoted listener, uh, as well as the most devout Cougar fan I know, my dad, Todd Sanders. Dad, how are you? I'm doing well, Connor. BYU football is on a two-game win streak. The <laughs> the season officially started for basketball last night with an 18-point win over Cal State Fullerton. So things are good. That's I'm I'm glad to hear it, and I'm sure Mom's glad to hear it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my dad is, as you can tell, a, a BYU graduate. Uh, loves talking to BYU sports. When I was growing up, that was the talk of our family was the weekend game, who was going to win, who was going to play, we need to fire the coach, all that stuff. Um, we we loved chatting up around the dinner table, chatting up BYU. Absolutely. I, yeah, and I have since graduated to a SUU adoration, uh, but we have a commonality, and I think for the first time, ever will be cheering on opposite sides for a basketball game. <laughs> that we will, but I will I will also be pulling for SUU. It's uh, it's so cool to have an in-state matchup like that and uh, hopefully it be, can become a, a regular uh, annual game. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it's a good kind of mid-tier test for BYU to see not quite at WCC level, but somebody that is at least comparable in terms of size and athleticism. Um, and that's a good kind of litmus test for where they are. And then it's an opportunity for SU to play up and make a little money against a, a bigger opponent. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think, um, you know, as you all know, the Marriott centers is such a cool place and uh, it draws a big crowd and, and, with the SUU game being on a on a Wednesday night, I think it, it'll still it'll still pack them in pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to going to that game, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about is um, just this important game. Both teams getting a win in their first game of the season. SUU uh, outgunning the well overmatched NAIA Bethesda, one ten to sixty six, and then as you mentioned. A uh, bit of a bloodbath against, well, I don't know if you'd call it a, a bloodbath, but a very impressive performance against Cal State Fullerton, picking up a win 76-58. to 58. So both teams kind of with some momentum. Uh, SU travels to Nebraska to take on Fred Hoiberg and the Cornhuskers on the road on Saturday, and SU host San Diego State. It's so nice when you're a higher-tier mid-major, you can have uh, some home games to start the season. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, I think the the game against San Diego State on Saturday, I think, is going to be a really good test as well. They're, they're always uh, uh, very solid, always get uh, good talent there at San Diego State. So it'll be interesting to see how SUU does against Nebraska and interesting to see how BYU does against San Diego State leading up to uh, facing off against each other next week. Yeah, and San Diego State was one of those like key rivalries from back in the day. 
Yeah, right. A- absolutely. And, you know, the the Jimmer, Kawhi Leonard uh, matchups were about as good as it got uh, in BYU basketball in the last many years. So it was uh, a rivalry that was that was forged pretty well in those days. And, uh, and of course, BYU having left the Mountain West Conference, there's probably some animosity there still, but uh, they're always a talented group. Yeah. So SCU travels to Nebraska. Um, Nebraska did drop their first game of the season against UC Riverside, uh, a 19-point loss in Fred debut. So Yeah, right. Not- not the start they were hoping for. Interestingly enough as well, the Ken Palm rankings have SUU about 10 spots higher coming into the season uh, than UC Riverside. So we'll see if we can whip them into shape or if SUU can maybe sneak a victory on the road there. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be great. They certainly will want to be rebounding from that disappointing opener. So I'm sure they'll give uh, SUU their their best shot to get that first win for for the new coach. Yeah, and uh, something I think is really interesting about this team, especially in the early going, is that there's so many players on this team that haven't been scouted, you know? There's yeah. transfers and players returning from injury and uh, new young players that are getting heavy playing time that you haven't seen them in the, the offense. All you've seen is against an NAI school. So what, what can Nebraska really expect from so you and that actually plays right into the BYU game as well. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And uh, a little plug for you, I've really enjoyed uh, reading your preview articles, and it it sounds like there's definitely reason for excitement in in Cedar City with all the guys that are coming back with game experience, others that have played at big time programs and have transferred in, plus a, a coach that. Uh, is having a very good run there, so it's. I think it's going to be a, a fun season for the the T-Bird fans. Yeah, I think Coach Simon will be due for an extension. He can make uh, this all this hype that I've been generating uh, come to fruition. So it is interesting too. SU had they doubled the attendance numbers um, in their season opener from last season. So oh, nice. So there's it's definite excitement, not only for me, but from everybody on campus as to the heights this team can achieve. So looking ahead, the game is next Wednesday, November 13th at 7 p.m. in the Marriott Center, available on BYU TV. Um, SU plays, like I mentioned, Nebraska, and BYU will be coming off home games. So SU does have a bit of traveling to do going into this. BYU should be yeah. nice and rested heading into the, to the matchup against the Thunderbirds. Uh, a couple of notes, uh, a really important note, actually, is Yoli Childs, who was on the preseason wooden top 50. Uh, the leading scorer for Cougars last year was out due to an NCAA ineligibility kind of technicality. Right. Yeah, very disappointing for him. He he makes the decision to come back and play his senior year, much to the delight of uh, of all BYU fans and certainly that that coaching staff and then to have the NCAA come back and hand him a nine game uh, suspension for you know unknowing unknowingly uh, uh, taking the wrong approach with signing with an agent and uh, 
it's just very unfortunate. He tried to do everything that he could to make that right, from what I understand, and paid back uh, the amount that the agent had spent on him uh, and and really tried to make it right. It, I've heard talk that there was discussion about suspending him from uh, for the entire season, which would have been a real travesty. But, yeah. but uh, nine games, I mean, that's basically a third of the season. So it's... It, I just, I just really feel for him. I, from everything that I've understood, it was, it was an innocent mistake. The first year that the NCAA has taken this approach with allowing players to sign with agents and then deciding they wanted to come back to school and just to me, miscommunication there. And, and, uh, you know, you, you feel bad for the student athlete. All right, dad, I've got a theory. You tell me if you support it or not. I think that the NCAA made an example of a yearly child. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. And I'm sure going forward, next season prior to the draft and the NBA combine and all of those kinds of things, that those who were in Yoli's shoes will, will be much more judicious about it and better informed than he was. And, and, I, and I think that it really was... Uh, to kind of set an example, and I think it will have everybody's attention next year pre-draft. Yeah, I'm sure everybody's ducks will be in a row, and I'm curious to see how many potential prospects go with that agent or that agency after they cost yeah. only a third of a season. Right, right. And, you know, he uh, just for the first three years of his college career, he's improved every year and and i think he's just going to be that much hungrier when he comes back in december uh against utah his first game back so i think he will be a terror for the games that uh that he has left in the season once he comes back yeah and he'll be playing with uh, some extra motivation i'd say too so it's interesting right. though he's he's just kind of known enough like preseason top 50 that people know his name, but not like you're you're losing a really um, star player or like a nationally uh, relevant future star, you know. So I think that it definitely right. was. If it wasn't tongue in cheek, then it might have just been absolutely like intentional. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, I, I think here in 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 the West and certainly in the West Coast Conference, uh, everyone knows how good he is and the skill set that he has. But I, like you say, on a national scale, that's, that's not really the, the case. But the, the really challenging thing is combined with his loss is the loss of Gavin Baxter, who uh, had, a, had a really promising freshman season and big things expected of him this year. And he gets injured in practice and hurts his shoulder and is and is out for the year so having both of those guys out is is very difficult and uh i think against any team with with uh size and length including suu it's going to be difficult for byu to to match up yeah absolutely also missing the gonzaga transfer jesse wade to injury so be interesting yeah. to see right. how suu matches up with you and how they choose to defend uh, was one 
talking point I wanted to touch up with you. But first, let's touch on uh, our friend, the Ginger Ninja, TJ Hawes, the team's second leading scorer and leading assister from last season. Uh, very crafty player, uh, surprised you athletically in terms of driving to the basket, makes good decisions, knocks down some three-pointers, uh, uh, an all-conference performer. So very, you need to, to watch out for him. I think he'll be a key matchup for SUU as well as uh, Zach Selius, who led the team in three-point field goal percent last season. Uh, so those are kind of known quantities, players that have been at BYU that will definitely have an impact in this game. But what's new surrounding the BYU basketball program, new head coach and Mark Pope, as well as some new key players like Jake Toulson and Alex Barceo. So tell me about some of the new faces. How do you feel about Coach Pope and his job at, at BYU thus far? Well, I think Coach Pope was <clears throat> clearly the the first choice, and and uh, uh, as soon as Dave Rose retired, there was no question that he was going to be the primary target. Having been an assistant for a number of years at BYU and, and knowing the institution and knowing the program, and uh, uh, also really uh, turning around Utah Valley University's program. And so I think the expectations are, are, are pretty high and certainly he is setting a, a very high standard from what I've heard is practices and uh, uh, using the, the shot tracker to see how many shots the players are, are putting up. So it, it's going to be interesting to be able to evaluate him this first year, particularly with the injuries and, like we've mentioned, Yoli missing time. But I think most BYU fans feel very encouraged having him at the helm. He's, by all accounts, uh, a very good recruiter. Um, so from that standpoint, it, it's, it's really optimistic. Um, some, of, some of the new faces, as you, as you mentioned, uh, Alex Barceo, who transferred from the University of Arizona, got his uh, redshirt year waived, so he is uh, able to play. Uh, they need, like we say, everybody that they can get uh, on the bench and on the floor. And he started uh, last night against Cal State Fullerton and looked really good. I think he had 19 points, uh, very active defender. Uh, Zach Selyus, I, I think, is is really primed for a, a, a good senior year. This is the first year in, in a long time that, that BYU has had uh, several seniors, and Selyus has been around a long time. He's had some really good games in a BYU uniform and some really uh, not-so-good games uh, as a Cougar, but uh, I, I think is going to be relied on a lot because of his experience and because he's, you know, at this point, one of the, the tallest guys that BYU has, 6'7", 6'8", range, and is going to be asked to not only shoot the three, but uh, to play solid defense on the opposing bigs as well. Yeah, that leads me perfectly into some of the keys for the game. I think that the first thing I notice is just the, the general lack of size with no Gavin Baxter, no Yuli Childs. I'd like to think that Dwayne Morgan, Andre Adams, and uh, the backup center, David Ndaye, will just run wild. I don't know if Ndaye will be 
back. He hasn't played yet this season with an injury. Oh. But when you look at Andre Adams and Dwayne Morgan, as well as players like Mason Fawcett, Harrison Butler, who can who can play up because of their athleticism, I'm really curious to see how uh, BYU responds to the athleticism of Dwayne Morgan, a former five-star prospect, who can create a little bit off the balance as well as get the ball in the post, and Andre Adams, who's a pretty bona fide rim protector and really anchors the defense. So be interesting to see how uh, Coach Pope responds to the game plan for SUU. Yeah, it, it, it really will be, and, and I think the performance on Saturday against San Diego State will will be instructive um, for them in preparation for, for SUU. Uh, what BYU is going to have to do is, is, as they did last night against Fullerton, they're just going to have to shoot the ball really well and, and, and just play a very good team defense, be very aggressive and, and tenacious. Our, the one big player for BYU is 6'10". He's a sophomore named Colby Lee and is is developing his skill set prone to foul problems so i think that if suu pounds it inside against him um like last night in the first half he had two fouls in the first nine minutes and didn't see him again for the rest of the half and and when he's not on the floor you've got dalton nixon at six seven who is really their their post player so I, I think it would be smart, and certainly Coach Simon will be all over this, to uh, to really work an, an inside-out game against BYU and, and should get good results by doing that, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something I wanted to ask about as well, I just feel like foul trouble will be uh, something really scary for BYU. It's something against Bethesda, largely SU didn't run many sets. If they did, it was a kind of quick pass coming off the screen or some kind of pick and roll action. But for the most part, they just kind of got the ball and ran. They want to play fast and uh, put pressure on the opposing defense. Um, but they did run some sets where they did get the ball to Dwayne Morgan isolated on the block, set him, set him up with shooters around to try and create from the elbow as well. So really interested, interested to see how uh, Coach Pope game plans for Dwayne Morgan, but also how he manages foul trouble. Because if if I'm Coach Simon, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to dump it down low. I'm going to go at that kid until he fouls us. Even if we go down by, you know, eight or nine points, it's okay. Let's just get these big guys out of the way and clear the lanes for our slashers because that's really where I think SUU's offense is the strongest is when they're in transition or when they're driving at the basket. Well, and of course, it, it all starts with rebounding. And... Uh, and like we say, BYU is just at a significant disadvantage on the boards. And boy, if SUU can uh, rebound the ball and get it out quickly and, and uh, play very aggressively on offense, uh, they'll do some, some really good things, I would think. And uh, my guess is they will, they will out-rebound BYU uh, uh, both on the offensive and defensive ends. Yeah, rebounding is an interesting department for SUU. They do rely on their wings quite a bit to get rebounds, but when they're at their best, it's the center grabbing the board, turning and getting it out so they can get in transition. Another key matchup yeah. I've noticed is between TJ Haas. Is TJ Haas is a senior now, correct? 
He is a senior now. Yeah. Finally. Um, and Dre Marine, who is yeah. a junior. We'll see how um, they end up playing against one another. I imagine that they'll guard each other. Marine usually guards the primary ball handler for the opposing team. Uh, and TJ Haas, I think, is really the, the most creative player that uh, BYU has. Yeah, I, I would agree. He's, he's, you know, by time he's done, Connor, he will have started, if not more, games than anyone that's ever worn a BYU uniform. He'll be in the top three, so he's got a lot of experience. Uh, as you mentioned, very crafty player. I think he's a difficult matchup for for anyone. And BYU likes to have the ball in his hands and let him create. And uh, very effective despite a, a pretty thin frame at going to the basket and drawing contact and just a, a great free throw shooter. So he's going to be a tough matchup for anybody. And Alex Barcelo was, uh, as I recall, two-time Gatorade Player of the Year in Arizona in high school, went to the University of Arizona, did not get a lot of playing time his first two years, but another guy that's primed and ready that handles the ball really well, uh, a good passer and, and a defender. But but I look for T.J. Haas to have a big season. He had a minor knee issue uh, after the start of, of practice, but seems to be back 100%. And uh, yeah, he's, he's going to get his points. And that's what BYU needs. He's He's got to lead them in scoring. Yeah, absolutely. I think in him and Borsello and then adding Jake Tolson as well, I think there there is enough creativity in, yeah. on offense to to run with teams that want to score and, and run up the, the pace a little bit. Um, and SU also yeah. has benefited hugely from transfers, so it is a, a very viable way of building, building the program and filling in the gaps. I mean, even if you only get two seasons, getting two, maybe even all-conference-level performances, which are just so invaluable. It yeah. completely changed the trajectory of your program to have a special player pass through. You look at what's happened with Weber State and Damian Lillard. They're consistently one of the best teams in the conference because uh, he kind of changed the face of, of their athletic program, really. When you, you think about yeah. Weber State, you think about Damian Lillard now. So You do, and was a great player in college and uh, – I don't know if anyone envisioned him becoming the player he's become in the NBA, but uh, boy, he's he was a great player for Weber State, and they have Jarek Harding this year, and they continue to be a, a force in the big sky. Absolutely. So another key I want to discuss with you, I think it's something I feel like we always talk about with BYU, um, is three-point shooting. I think with between Celius and Haas, you've got some pretty good... Uh, three-point shooting talent, but I know SU, or BYU likes to, to get three-pointers away, and sometimes they live and they die by it. Yeah, yeah, they, they really do, and, and as we've mentioned, particularly this year, without much of a post presence in these first nine games, they are going to look to get up a lot of shots and get a lot of threes up. Um, as we mentioned, uh, TJ and Celius and and uh, Alex Barceo, Barcelo, um, all those guys can really shoot the ball. They've got a 
a freshman uh, named Trevin Nell, uh, Nell, pardon me, Trevin Nell, who is just back from uh, uh, LES Church Mission uh, to South America, and and he has looked really good, about 6'5". Connor Harding got some good minutes last year, shot the ball really well from from three uh, last night. So there's there's no shortage of, uh, of snipers, but like you say, they kind of live and die by it if, if the, shots, the shots aren't falling, which they generally do pretty well at the Marriott Center, then uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big problem and, and teams will take advantage certainly. Yeah, it seems like when BYU lose to a lesser opponent, they usually don't shoot the ball very well. And shoot it the usually ball. happens on the road. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and they'll they'll get in a hole and uh, just can't seem to work their way out of it. That's kind of been an mo for the last few seasons, losing to mid-tier conference teams just because they've not shot the ball well in the opposing uh, arenas. Yeah, so there are a couple things I, I'm really interested to see how Coach Pope guards John Knight the third. Wayne Morgan, John Knight looked like the most athletic player SU has ever seen last night. He looked like a, a rim protector. He just kept blocking shots off the backboard and things. Um, I, uh-huh. I imagine Toulson will probably guard him because Knight's just a little bit bigger than Draymarine. Um, and I'm also very interested to see who guards Dwayne Morgan because he has not only size but athleticism. So I think BYU might actually match up decently well. He really excels in punishing slower defenders. On closeouts and things like that, so I'd be interested yeah. to see as well how he met, Coach Pope manages to pick and roll with those two players because I think that they could have this is the exact kind of opponent that they could really have big games against. Yeah, I I can see that as you've described um, both of their skill sets. I'm really looking forward to seeing John Knight the third play. I mean, just sounds like a fantastic player, and yeah. and I don't. Honestly, I, I don't know if BYU has an answer for him. Probably their best on-ball defender is Barcelo from just the brief glimpses I've seen of him. That would be my guess. Um, they also have a transfer from uh, uh, USU Eastern, uh, a local kid by the name of uh, Blaze Neald, uh, a very quick and athletic kid with, with one of the best names in college basketball uh, but again not very experienced he would probably be overmatched by uh, John Knight the third and as far as Dwayne Morgan that's that's equally a, a toss-up uh, my guess is it would be Jake Toulson that will will guard him and and try and limit him as best he can but as we mentioned, the concern there is if you get a guy like Toulson in foul trouble because he's trying to guard, uh, you know, a, a bigger, more athletic player, then that really impacts BYU because he's going to play. He's going to play a lot of minutes, so it goes back to the issue with foul trouble if they can stay away from that. Yeah, another interesting thing with foul trouble. I have a lot of uh, foul trouble notes here. Harrison Butler, who started the game last night um, is he led the big sky in free throw rate last season he got to the line a lot and he started towards the end of the season and has started in the first game this year 
if he can get to the line and draw some contact, that might put BYU in a difficult spot as well. Yeah, and again, I I think it would be a very sound strategy to to take the ball aggressively to the hoop. Uh, BYU really does not have a rim protector and uh, and just just get to the line and and get key BYU players in foul trouble and that's a pretty good recipe to be successful in the Marriott Center. Yeah. So it, I should mention though, there's a reason why these players are playing at SUU and they're not starting for the universities they were originally committed to. Um, every player has weaknesses in their game. SUU players definitely have a few. I project my aspirations on them because I know what their potential is, but BYU is definitely the better team. They have a richer history of success, um, and they're always can bring it offensively. So I'm really interested to see as well how SUU manages the defense because um, BYU can always fill it up. It doesn't matter who's there or who's the, the kind of leading initiator. They can fill it up. And so if SUU likes to switch and tries to use their kind of size and versatility, I'm very curious to see if, uh, if they can keep up defensively no matter kind of what situation gets thrown at them. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a really intriguing matchup all the way around. And, and I think SUU is getting BYU at a, at a good time. Um, they're still trying to, to figure things out. Obviously, don't have, have uh, Yoli uh, be playing San Diego State, an old rival, as we've said. Then the, the, the next game after SUU is University of Houston in Houston. And Houston, which made a nice run in the NCAA tournament last year, just just completely controlled the game against BYU last year. So I'm sure that's on their mind. So I, I think SUU is, uh, is is getting BYU at, at the right time. And yeah. and again, there there's no shortage of talent uh, at BYU. It's just uh, it's just definitely small ball and that'll only take you so far. I mean, it certainly is not going to allow you to uh, overtake thinking of league play at Gonzaga or a St. Mary's. I just I just don't see that happening, even when BYU is, has its full complement of, of players. But particularly this year, uh, again, it's going to come down to, to post play and defending the post and trying to out-rebound bigger teams. Absolutely. So, very excited for that game. I think it's, you're right, it's, SU is catching BYU at the perfect time. If there was ever a recipe for an upset, it would be this one, the last game of a homestand, uh, yeah. missing crucial players that you were expecting to contribute immediately. So, it's a, it's a good formula for SU. I still think BYU should be the favorites by a decent margin. I'd say probably like a seven or eight point favorite, but I think SU can absolutely go in get the win so I think that's a well yeah go ahead yeah no I was just gonna say that that I think you know it can be a little bit intimidating I, I think coming into uh, the Marriott Center um, it's it, it's it's been a, a great home court for BYU uh, home court advantage but I think that if SUU can really get off to a good start and be able to block out the noise and all of that kind of thing, and and they shoot the ball well in the first ten minutes of the game. Um, they're they're going to be 
they're going to be right there. And yeah. if, if they're able to execute some of the things that we've talked about, um, you know, I, I think going into the latter stages of the game, if guys like Dwayne Morgan and John Knight III, if they have big games, uh, they're going to stay within striking distance would be my thinking. Uh, and, you know, if BYU doesn't shoot the ball the way they need to shoot it, it's it could be interesting. Absolutely. So I think it's a good place to leave that one off. We'll see where uh, that, that result ends up at tilting. Um, but now we're going to move into a new segment calling it five questions we're going to debut it today um with my dad here so let's all right let's i did not brief you on these questions i did brief you on uh some of our notes for this so we could be on the same page but these are all surprises so i hope you're ready okay okay question number one are you wearing a byu sweatshirt right now i am wearing a a byu sweater not a sweatshirt, but definitely in my my uh, wintertime BYU gear. Absolutely. What percent? This is not an official question. This is just a follow up. Follow up to the first one. Huh? Um, what percentage of your wardrobe has BYU logos on it? This is not to make fun. Well, this is a, an appreciation of devotion to your team. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, uh, probably. Uh, 80% of my casual wear is BYU affiliated sure, sure. and primarily on the Royal side of things. A big fan of the Royal, uh, got to uh, adopt it as, as the uh, primary color of BYU. I think most BYU fans would agree. Okay, well, it's almost like we're father and son because question two was going to be Royal or Navy. I think you've uh, cleared that one up already. Yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah, dating back to the uh, Danny Ainge, 1984, Robbie Bosco football team. I'm sure you feel deeply connected to that color. Yeah, that I do. I, I, I had a national championship sweatshirt from 1984 that I wore until it literally started to uh, disintegrate on me. So, yeah, some deep connections there and love the Royal. It's one of the most just fascinating, like, um, uh, the word just escaped me. Um, it starts with an E. It's something super rare, like an outlier, but, uh, oh, boy. Mm. Yeah, know. it's not coming you know to I mean? me either. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Oh, an anomaly. It's an anomaly. That's starts with an A, not an E. Yeah, there you go. It's, it, they're just, just like an anomaly. No team at their level has ever won a national championship, but somehow BYU has a, a banner that they can yeah. get out. Yeah, the, the stars aligned and uh, beat a, a pretty average Michigan team to uh, win that national championship. And all these years later, there's, there's I think, some degree of contempt for that, but, but it is what it is, and the stars aligned, and They've got that trophy uh, at the Student Athlete Center. Yeah. So I know that you love every BYU athlete, but I also know that this team deeply frustrates you from time to time. <laughs> I would like to know, um, what is the player that you find yourself maybe most stressed when he has the ball or just 
the player you believed the least in that you just never wanted to see on the field in, in your time as a Cougar fan? Oh man, that's that's really an, an interesting question. Um, I, I, I think I, I don't know if I have a specific player that way, but uh, you know the the 2017 football season was was just extremely disappointing, uh, as you'll recall. I mean, I I know that that. Uh, uh, you weren't a, a here for that, but um, the 2017 season, going four and nine, and and starting uh, with with Ty Detmer, who yeah, of course storied career and just That's not getting thing. it done. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but and they have a Heisman uh, Trophy winner, <laughs> a Heisman Trophy a Heisman winner, Heisman and a national championship. BYU, what is going on? Yeah, and and two Outland Trophy winners. So yeah, yeah I mean, it, it it is pretty amazing. And that junior year when Ty won the Heisman, that's uh, it's just pretty well etched in, in in my memory. But but I think that was my toughest experience as a BYU uh, fan was that season where just nothing worked right, and it ultimately cost. Ty Detmer, a BYU legend, his his job, um, yeah. and and so that that was that was unfortunate. And then I think just just the the nine game losing streak to the University of Utah in football <laughs> is is just brutal for any BYU fan. But uh, Utah is just at another level, uh, just ranked eighth in the newly released college football playoff uh pull and and very deserving of that yeah but boy it's it, it's it's been it's been tough and they're in a great situation and have a great program but hopefully byu can get a win here uh before i get too old and decrepit <laughs> uh, to be able to cheer them on. um so i really thought you would have gone jake heaps there Jake, he honestly was the first one that came to, to mind. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the guy had his own set of challenges, but boy, there were some frustrations there. And there were some frustrations with, with Riley Nelson, as we've talked about, as a, a quarterback who, who, by the way, does a fantastic job on the BYU football radio broadcast as the new color theater. But and, and, and he was a, a, a gutsy guy and, and really tried to battle through some injuries. But, boy, there was some frustration there back in the day at Notre Dame, missing a wide-open Cody Hoffman to uh, probably <laughs> win that game. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. Boy. You'll never well, forget the moment. I remember it, too. Forget. You just needed to I step mean, up I, and make the throw right down the middle. It was, it was there. Right. Yeah, wide open, and uh, you know, I think really a, a good leader and a gamer, but boy, really a source of frustration at times as well. I think I'd actually go off the board for mine. I'm going to hit you with Luke Worthington, who every time Luke he got the ball in basketball, would dribble it off his foot every single time. He'd either He would either foul somebody or he would dribble it off his foot. And that that was my thought, Connor, is that he he was he was a walking foul. I mean, 
they would when Eric Mika was there, they would actually start uh, Worthington to try and preserve Mika a, a little bit, and Worthington would get almost immediately in in foul trouble. Now, from everything I've heard, a, a, a great teammate and and a, a hard worker, but just did not have the skill level to be playing at a at a reasonably high level of Division One basketball. So yeah, yeah, but he uh, he he definitely caused uh, a, a little bit of heartburn. Uh, yeah, on okay. Yeah. All right. This is a two-part question. Question number three. Okay. Your greatest sporting moment as a player and as a fan. So why don't you tell me about your your best sporting moment as a player? My best sporting moment as, as a player. Oh, my that's, dad. Sorry. That's um, going back in. He was a very. Sorry to interrupt you there again, but uh, dad played at Tustin High School as a basketball player very uh, illustrious career as a, as a shooter before the three-point line. But. Well, I, I don't know if I'd go with very illustrious, but uh, <laughs> memories of, of playing high school ball in Orange County, California with uh, just a lot of top-flight competition. And uh, as, as far as my personal greatest moment, uh, it probably my sophomore year of high school, I led the team in scoring and and uh just just had a really really good season but it, everyone else seemed to develop a little more physically than than i did and uh that, that was kind of the the high point of my athletic career although i i played basketball for a lot of years and and uh and loved every minute being on the court absolutely um what about your greatest sporting moment as a fan what's your your proudest moment? Yeah, I, I think it's got to go back to the 84 national championship. It was just, uh, it was just so surreal to think that that actually happened. And I think probably number two on the list was being the university of Miami back yeah. when, when, you know, they were the U and, uh, had so much talent and came into Provo and, sized up Ty Detmer, I'm sure that uh, they weren't too concerned and he just tore them apart. That, that is, a, is a great memory. I, I know that the U fans remember that game very differently than BYU fans do because they say that yeah. BYU is the dirtiest team they've ever played and all yeah. that, but hey, they got the win. Yeah. That's all history will remember. Well, they they got to the win, and and the players from the U they were they were no angels, uh, <laughs> but but I think I, I think um, I just didn't think. My thinking is, let me rephrase that: Miami probably thought that BYU didn't deserve to be on the same field with them, and and perhaps they didn't. I mean, they had some. Uh, just some amazing teams and talent, but that that's why you play the game, right? Yeah. All right, let's move on as we are just a little bit over time here. Um, okay. Tell me just one story of your exploits as a journalist. I know that you graduated in communication. You spent some time on the ground as a newspaper reporter. Can you tell me one of your favorite stories of uh, when you were out on the beat? Yeah, well, right out of 
college, um, I, I got a job in a, in a small town north of Sacramento, California, as the sports editor, and it was uh, it was just kind of a of a dream situation. And I I covered primarily uh, high school sports, and there was a JC and a and a small uh, state. Uh, school. In fact, the JC is where Aaron Rodgers went, Butte Community College, before he went to Cal, and they had some good talent coming through there. But, but my my favorite memories are uh, having the opportunity to go to the Bay Area and cover the. Not that I was able to do it a lot, but to cover the Giants and the A's and uh, Sacramento Kings, and being yeah. in the locker room and just just having just just kind of a, a, a dream come true and and it didn't last for long uh, some other things came up and but but for the time I was doing it it, it was it was great a great experience and especially covering sports even in a limited way on the professional level is something I'll always remember and that and the A's in particular, that was the Bash Brothers days with uh, McGuire and Canseco and in a very particularly now moribund stadium. It uh, it was pretty electric there with those guys back in the day. Yeah, we went to the Coliseum recently. It was we were not overwhelmed by the Oakland. Uh, no. The, the building of the stadium there. It's time to get an upgrade for sure. Yeah, time to tear that place down. Honestly, maybe a downgrade. I feel like the A's need a smaller stadium because there are so few fans yeah. there. And, and and the Giants on the other side of the bay, they they've sold out every game for years and years. So yeah, it's it, it's too bad for the A's. But that call that Coliseum is a uh, it just uh, it's way past its prime. Exactly. All right. Last question here, came up with it on the fly because you read my mind with the Royal Navy question. So give me your prediction for the game. Who do you have as the winner and what do you have as the final score? Well, I, oh, sorry. I think... Uh, it's sorry to interrupt, but this, we're talking about the BYU yeah. versus SUU game because we've been talking about so many different games. Your prediction for the BYU versus SUU game. Yeah, I, I, I think it's... Uh, like we talked about, I think it's it's an intriguing matchup. I think the timing of it's very interesting. I I think that that BYU shoots the ball well enough at home that uh, they should win. You know, by ten to twelve points, just being in the Marriott Center and uh, and if if they're on their game, they're they're tough to to beat there, no matter what year it is or or what the the composition of the team uh, yeah. looks like, but uh, being primarily a guard oriented offense, I, I think they'll shoot the ball really well. But I I get the feeling after SUU plays at Nebraska, they're not they're not going to be intimidated. My my guess on the final score would be probably in the range of uh, eighty five to seventy three with with BYU on top yeah i think that's a pretty rational uh analysis of the game i think that su has if if they get a couple bounces their way the refs kind of yeah. shade their way a little bit and they can kind of punch BYU in the mouth before they're ready maybe 
get BYU to go cold uh, from behind the, behind the three-point line. I think the SU could actually win this game. I think it'll be the kind of situation, though, where we, we being SUU, keep it close for 30 to 34 minutes, and then towards the end, the, the difference in talent between BYU and SUU kind of separates the two. So I'd say it's probably a six- or seven-point game in the end. So I would say also up near the 80s, I'd probably say around 81 to 75 for BYU in the win. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable too, and and SUU is going to give BYU all that all that they want, uh, I'm sure, and then some. And and BYU better better play at their uh, level of capability, or uh, it, it's going to get get really interesting because I think it, it's a real matchup problem for the Cougars. Absolutely. So. It's important you go and watch that one. It'll be Wednesday, 7 p.m. at the Marriott Center. Dad, I appreciate you coming on. If you would like to follow my father on Twitter, he is at Taylor Todd. Uh, after his That's uh, right. his alma mater, high school, Tustin High, the Tillers. So. Tustin Pride. <laughs> there we go. Um, and as always, email yeah. questions to sports at suunews.net for any question and answer segments and Follow me on Twitter at Connor S. Sanders. Dad, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. It was very fun to discuss this future matchup with you. Um, and I appreciate it. Love you. And I, I saw Mom in the background there poking into the camera. Glad to yeah. see that she's there too. Yeah, she's been listening in and, and great to talk to you and, and to discuss uh, the prospects for this game next week. It's it, it's going to be a going to be a lot of fun. So. Hope the SUU fans can can check it out and check out that broadcast. Yeah, that's all we've got uh, this week on Thundergast. Love you to my parents. Uh, thank you for listening. We will be back with you next week.